<laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? How are you? I'm good. I've had a bit of a stressful morning because I forgot to write Have in. You? I forgot to write my day's plan in my diary. And so I've just been very go, go, go after relaxing in the morning, which was stupid. But here we are. <laughs> you did it. I did it. I did do it. I had to get an Uber, which isn't in my budget, but it's okay. I just oh. won't. Get Cocoa Pops. I don't know. I won't do something. <laughs> no coffee for a week. No coffee for a week, sadly. Um, thank you very much for doing this. I'm, I'm glad to have caught you. All right. Um, this is Creative Conversations. This is episode three. Um, I'm okay. Ruben, and today we are with you. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Delzy. Uh, my pronouns are she, her... And I'm a proud femme queer lady. Um, I would love to hear your explanation of what it is you do. Um, because I have been friends with you on Facebook for some time and you don't seem to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that is somewhat correct, but I'm trying to do better at that. Mm -hmm. That's my 2021 goal. But, um, yeah, about... Nine years ago, I started something called Unicorns, um, which is um, an organisation I started to create safer spaces for the whole of the LGBTQIA plus community because mm-hmm. I felt there was a little bit of um, a gap in spaces that existed for people that were queer that sat outside that cis gay kind of binary. Like, I was living in Sydney. If I went to Oxford Street, it felt like it was definitely for gay men. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Newtown, sometimes I felt like it was just for cisgendered lesbians. So... I made unicorns, but I feel like it's a culmination of all the things I love, like performance art, circus, um, body positivity, Mm -hmm. lots of glitter activities and techno. Um, And it started as a warehouse party in Marrickville and has now spanned to fitness events, workshops, did a festival, um, as well as, yeah, what I call, yeah, queer events across Melbourne Mm -hmm. and Sydney. Um, But outside of that, I've been a high school teacher, had a radio show, I've um, done a lot of work to support queer youth, run training workshops on LGBTI inclusion, bunch of random things. Wow. <laughs> That's your marriage celebrant. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I have seen that recently. It's quite exciting. <laughs> um, how, how has Unicorns grown? Like, how did it start? Where is it now? Um, so the first event was in a warehouse in St. <laughs> Peter's in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um so that was, yeah, about 80 queer people came. It was pretty messy. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, I wanted to infuse the elements of, like, fringe art life. Um, I came from a background of growing up with, like, going and seeing a lot of fringe art. And my first foray into events was as an intern on the first Sydney Fringe Festival. Oh, yeah. So I loved that kind of, like newbie experimental art stuff um but I also loved warehouse spaces because I felt like you could be yourself um free from like the restrictions of mainstream spaces and as a queer person was kind of like away from the city so if you're all dressed up and half naked Mm. it was no fear of like harassment um so yeah I started there um and I didn't really know how many people felt the way I did like they were looking for like an alternative space but yeah, it grew quite quickly. Um, so I started doing them in Sydney whilst also working 
full-time as a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then I moved to Melbourne um, and started doing them in Melbourne as well. And then, yeah, eventually I decided that I wanted to move entirely into working for the queer community. So I started working um, to support queer young people. So doing events for queer youth. I started a radio show um, for queer kids to give them a voice, um, which I felt like was really important because it was around the time of the postal vote and the debates around safe schools. And I was working a lot with young people as a high school teacher and a lot of queer kids. And I felt like at times their voices weren't being heard in those debates. So I started a radio show called Unicorn Youth where young people would come on and just talk about issues that mattered to them and kind of be heard. Um, and then that kind of stepped into running workshops, training other people who work with young LGBTQI plus people on how to best support them. So I did some of that work at La Trobe, which has a research center which specializes in like sex, gender and society. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I suppose I've just been like, kind of like following my heart in a way, like seeing where I feel like what I feel like help is needed or see something that I wish existed in the world. And then I just kind of create it has kind of been my journey. Like one point I was looking for like queer fitness because I felt like gyms weren't entirely safe. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about some of my trans friends were talking about their experiences and how they didn't feel entirely safe to be at a gym and like use the, the change room and just things other people take for granted. So that's when I was like, oh, I'm going to invent a queer fitness group. And yeah, I was going to festivals and I was like, oh, I wish there was a lineup of entirely LGBTI yeah. people. And oh, I'm going to go do that. So it's kind of just like the career has been like an evolution of things I wish existed in the world. I wish I could go to them mm. and then I make them. So then I can't go to them, but <laughs> well, I can't participate, but I'm glad they exist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That all sounds so lovely. And I, I really wish I had known about some of those, um, particularly because I remember the postal vote vividly. I was living in Adelaide still and it was, um, particularly rough (laughs) not having anyone or not hearing anything about it from the community. So that's really nice to hear actually. Yeah, it was hard, wasn't it? And, like, being bombarded with advertisements, anti-marriage quality advertisements, like, it was really tough. And, like, imagining being a young person and knowing, like, that your parents were voting no. Mm. One of my roles at that time was coordinating Switchboard Victoria, which is, like, an LGBTIP support phone counselling service. And as the coordinator, one of my roles is to, like, look over call logs and look for themes and... You know, there was such a high increase in calls from, you know, young people who were talking about how much they were struggling knowing how their parents were voting. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine being stuck in a space knowing that um, and how difficult that must be. Yeah. Sorry, that's my phone. That was bad. That's okay. <laughs> mine also, I'm going to put mine under the stove. I got a message before. We're doing this over Zoom, everyone. Um, that's the era we live in. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Um, yeah. And how is that, how is that on you personally? Cause I imagine at times it must get quite rough or emotionally. Oh, yeah, taxing. definitely. For sure. And that's kind of what I'm learning is that I definitely had been in that headspace of like, I need to be the one doing all these things. Like if I see a gap, I need to fill it. But I'm trying to learn that if you want to have longevity, mm as like an LGBTI activist or as someone, you know, working in this space and producing things and coordinating things, you need to like slow down or you won't last. Mm. Um, And I definitely felt that burnout around the time of like, I was involved in a 
court case around the time of marriage equality debate. And at that time I was working at Switchboard. I was running events for Minus 18. I had the radio show once a week and I was running unicorns across states. And then I felt like it was a bit of a wake up call for me when that moment happened because I realized I created a life where I was doing these really awesome things, but I was not looking after myself and I couldn't deal with the adversity that comes with working in that space. So, you know, 2020 forced me to be a bit quieter and I'm going into 2021, hopefully like allowing more space for myself in my life as well as continuing to support community. Definitely. How was 2020 for you? Because obviously unicorns was a thing of a past for a while and um, (laughs) life shut down really. (laughs) For sure. Like, yeah, in all honesty, it was very rough. Like right before lockdown, I quit my part-time job working at La Trobe, mm-hmm. running workshops um, on LGBTI youth inclusion because I had, like, big plans for unicorns mm-hmm. and I wanted to have space to, you know, run bigger events, etc. Um, so I quit my stable income and then lockdown happened and I didn't have a job. So, yeah, it was pretty rough. I, yeah, was anxious about money. I got JobKeeper, which was good, but... Yeah, eventually I thought I might have to move Mm. back home with my parents as a (laughs) 34-year-old. So, and I did do that for a while because, yeah, just as JobKeeper was whittling down, I just, like, couldn't afford to live in Melbourne. Um, I mean, no shame. If I could have gone back to Adelaide to my family, I would have, but sadly I was stuck here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, it feels like, like, it felt personally like, oh, a bit of a fail, like, to be in that position, but... Like, you know, who could plan for it? And also, like, it's a great privilege to have parents that are like, hey, have yeah. some respite and here until you work out mm. what next. Yeah. Did you find, just on the note of having, I guess, someone to turn to, how did you find COVID affected sort of the community? Um, sort of just thinking about people with their chosen families and not being able to see them as much and have that connection. Did you find anything happened in particular oh yeah for sure like I suppose like I know more like anecdotal stuff but from people from like the unicorns community who reached out like the loneliness and isolation was huge and I think I on like a broader scale uh, like I feel like throughout history queer people we often we come together around a party like when the world hasn't been a safe space for us we created these safe spaces often in party environments um, and I know for some people who come to unicorns who tell me unicorns or events like that are the only space where they wear the clothes that align with their gender identity and express exactly who they are or feel safe to be, you know, out as bisexual or mm. hold hands with their partner. All these kind of conversations arise. So if you take that away and then particularly if you're living in an environment that is like homophobic or transphobic and you can't escape, I imagine that's going to be a really difficult time. Um I heard like some nice stories out of it as well from community. Um, I was running dating events online via Zoom um, during COVID, which was like, you know, I felt like quite a nice thing, like a bit of respite for people to chat to. And um, through that, I was starting to talk to people who said that those Zoom events were the first time they presented as, you know, their true self in terms of like gender expression Mm -hmm. and that some of them worked out that they were trans through COVID because they had time and that headspace to process and experiment with like makeup and clothing without 
like much else having to go on and I thought okay maybe that is like some nice things do come out of like all that space to reflect and sit with your own thoughts like can be a hard thing (laughs) but maybe some beauty does come out of it um Mm. yeah definitely 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 um you mentioned um the court case you were involved with and I would love to to delve into that if you like because I remember as it was happening seeing it pop up every now and then on Facebook and I I read into it just before this call and I didn't quite realize at the time how um awful it was (laughs) um and the things that were being said that's it was rough tell me about that yeah yeah, it was a hard time, definitely a hard time. Like, um, yeah, it's hard being the target of so much, like, directed hate yeah. from so many people. <laughs> yeah. um, and surprising. Like, I was shocked, like, like, that it happened because prior to that, nothing like that had ever happened. Mm. And, like, I felt like I was doing good work in the world. And um, I was surprised these people knew who I was and, like, mm-hmm. the work that I was doing. And then they wanted to... Um, yeah, defame me. Um, and it went for a really long time. Like it, it was like about a year before I even thought about taking legal action because I didn't know I could have a voice. Like I just thought the best thing to do was just to shy away from it and hide because I didn't really know what you can do. I didn't know legally what you could do. And, um, yeah, I, when it, after it happened for a little bit, I did quit pretty much all my work because just the impact on my mental health was huge. And I felt so anxious about, you know, working for organisations that might also be the target of hate because of what was happening to me. And that was the reality. These people were targeting anything I was attached to. And, you know, those people threatening to come to the queer youth events I was running for minus 18. And I just felt like I didn't want to be responsible for that. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, queer young people were safe. So I saw my radio show. I stopped working at minus 18 and... Yeah, the only thing I really did do was unicorns, so I did a lot less. So I spent a lot of time alone by myself. Um, but it felt really good when I finally realised you could do something about it. But we hadn't really heard of many people that had taken legal action as a result of social media and, like, an LGBTI space. It wasn't really something that had ever happened, it turns out. Mm. But um, I had, like, it was just this amazing ripple effect of support. Like, I spoke to a friend who was a lawyer who was like, yes, of course you have a case, come in. And then, like then this Queen's Council barrister, which I didn't even know was a thing, but it means that you're a really good barrister. <laughs> um, he contacts me out of the blue and is like this queer guy and he's like, I've seen, I've seen what's happened to you and I want to represent you, no win, no fee. And, yeah, like, obviously wouldn't have been able to afford it without it. And um, he didn't even end up charging me in the end because he was just so passionate about yeah. it. Um, but it was just this ripple effect where I just had so much support and I needed $10,000 to like kickstart it to pay some lawyer fees and the community bound together and had that money for me in like Mm. less than 24 hours. And like, it was horrible and I never want to go through it again. But like the silver lining was that I realized how much support I had and I didn't really know about that Mm. um, to that extent. Yeah. So it was a really tough time, but it was really cool outcome and like, the person had to like publicly acknowledge everything they said about me was untrue. And so tell me about yeah, and that. Then... Like, how did it, how did it start? What started this? My brain is saying yummy mummy on Facebook, but it's, poli- it's yeah. political posting mama. Political posting mama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did that start? Um, um, minus 18 shared a post thanking me for some of the work that I did. Um, 
and tagged me in it. And then Political Questing Mama saw that I also ran unicorns and had a radio show for youth. And I, I used to be a high school teacher. And then, um, yeah, just started sharing information about me. And, like, um, there were some, yeah, claims that were made, which were really, really horrible and mm. factually untrue. And it just kind of snowballed. So yeah. she shared it and then heaps of people shared it. And next minute, people are warning people to keep their children away from me and, like, all these awful things. And, yeah. um, yeah, she had really large platform and it shared quite rapidly. So... Before I know it, I've got, like, teachers and students I used to work with in high school contacting me saying they've seen it and, um, yeah, the Department of Education asking me if I'm still a teacher. Like, it, it, was, it was intense, yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a great time, <laughs> but, um, like, it does set a precedent now. Yeah, like, definitely. It's the first win of its kind, um, Social media law has changed heaps since yeah, then, like recently. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are aware, like the laws have completely changed. So if someone does defame you online, you can take action really quickly. Whereas when it was happening to me, Facebook didn't yeah. want to know about it. Um, the police didn't really know what to do. Um, you were kind of left on your own. Um, yeah. And so it was a long process for me and it could have been like a really expensive process. Like who can afford to do that? You know, if you're mm. just someone working for a bunch of charities, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> But law has changed and um, I haven't seen political posting mama's posts lately, so I'm not really sure what's happening there, but... Um, I'm sure yeah, she's a saint, it, really. <laughs> <laughs> right. I purposely don't don't search for it, so yeah. I'm not really sure. But, yeah, it was horrible, but it was a huge win for community and a reminder of, like, like how special our community is. Like, Definitely. something happens to someone you, you know, might not even know and people rally around and... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really appreciated of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, uh, what sort of next for, for you? What's with things opening up again? How are things looking? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, I haven't really been sure what to do. Like I was like wondering whether I was, should be taking a totally different direction. Like, going into maybe 35 this year I was like am I meant to be running parties forever um am I meant to be doing something else like one day I'd like to have a baby how do I set my life up so I'm not like out till six in the morning so I definitely ask myself a lot of those questions during COVID trying to navigate it all but sometimes I think about like I have an idol called Suzanne Bash who creates these parties in New York City on top um Mm -hmm. lets people know about them like she kind of like in a way helped discover RuPaul that kind of thing um but I don't know how old she is. I feel like she's in maybe her 50s or something. And she's still running these, like, kick-ass parties in New York City that are, like, queer utopia. I went once and I only had a heart attack. Like, <laughs> and I look at her and she also had a kid and she runs yeah. parties and she's rocking around half naked and sparkles. And I think maybe that could be my life. But I'm not really sure. Like, I really miss teaching. Yeah. Um, I missed um, being in that space. So I'm back working for a charity called Laneway Learning, like mm-hmm. helping manage teachers and coach teachers, like new teachers, um, into creating workshops. And I'm going to be teaching a bit there. Like I'm going to, I want to teach stuff about how to create safer spaces and 
you know, how to do queer cross stitch and like cute things, like mm-hmm. how to make a sparkly bath bomb. But I also want to teach like, you know, how to be a great queer ally. And yeah. so I'm going to go like play in that space again, because I miss just connecting with humans and teaching. Yeah. And I like, I didn't, didn't think or know if I was going to be able to do that after the court case stuff. Like before I did the court case, I was like, am I ever going to be able to be mm-hmm. a teacher again? Or is this like too complicated and, um, yeah too difficult but Mm. so I'm excited to do that and I'm going to do weddings like I played with the idea of being a life coach for LGBTI people but I don't know if it's like wanky and not a real job so I'm like I'm not sure about that but that's like something that's been in my head like I want to help people but I don't really like the word life coach um but I I am running an event in April and I'm going to see how I go and if I don't feel like I'm burning out I will keep doing it is this with unicorns again yeah, with unicorns, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is this the first one since COVID? Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> That's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the energy is. Like, I feel like I'll find it emotional. I don't know if everyone else feels that same way about partying, but I feel like it'll be emotional. Mm-hmm. But beautiful, but emotional. I think it'll be emotional Definitely. for everyone. Like, I... Like, just the the difference in the way everyone is behaving around social situations, particularly in Victoria is wild. Like I went out for drinks the other day because a friend of mine had some paintings on show and I didn't know what to do. (laughs) I sat there with my drink and I was like, okay, there have been lots of people. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I, my anxiety like through the roof, Mm -hmm. like trying to come out of lockdown. Um, and yeah, so I wonder about like the social anxiety, but also like the release, like the release of like, we, we got to this point and we don't really know what's happening still, but like we got through all that loneliness and isolation and like being together again. Mm. Well, so I mean, wild, powerful. Mm. I cry on the dance floor, like just a normal good night. Just because <laughs> I don't know why. So like, I'm going to be like very teary. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to have to hide out in the back. <laughs> <laughs> no shame in that. I'm going to bring down the mood. <laughs> no shame at all. <laughs> That's very exciting. It'll, it'll be nice, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it particularly it'll just be very nice to have that physical sense of community back um, because, you know, it was, at least in my case, non-existent during the last, yeah. what is it, 12 months now? Christ. <laughs> yeah. Because originally I had I had a few extra people living in my house with me um, and then they all petered out and it was very lonely. So it would be nice to have it yeah. return. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I live by myself and I had a, a little breakup during COVID. Mm-hmm. So I was just like me and my cat having <laughs> chats. <laughs> me and my cat and my feelings. Here we are. Yeah, my poor cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there anything? Is there anything on your mind that you want to hash out with me today here? i don't know that's such a that's such a hard broad question i mean Um, like you you are yes at the mastermind of so many different things like how is it how is it now learning to sit back and have life habits go i guess (laughs) yeah like i'm not sure like i hope i do it like 
I did so much like reading during lockdown about like having space for yourself and looking after yourself. And I did this like LGBTI leadership course, which was like heaps about like self-care. And like, I hope so badly I work out how to have balance this time around because I keep thinking like, I don't want to wake up at 45, 50, something like that. And know like I didn't like build a life outside of my work. I think I've taken a lot of value from, like value as a human being from the work that I do. And I've just poured my life into my work mm. and like, I'm proud of it, but like it is lonely, like yeah. being the person who facilitates everything. And especially like with unicorns, it's just a one lady show. So there's no one to like debrief with after, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I, I hope, I hope I learned that. I'm mm. trying really hard to like keep reminding myself to like leave space and definitely you know prioritize friendship and relationships and stuff and you yes, know i know very well pop out that baby before 40 <laughs> you know? it's, it's a goal if i was coaching myself i'd put it down as a goal uh-huh. it's on the it's on the five-year plan or whatever it is <laughs> yeah it's been on the plan for a while it just keeps moving back a bit mm-hmm. but yeah. no I, I know what you mean about taking time for yourself obviously to no extent similar to yours, but, um, like I started this company and I just have forgotten that I have a personal life and every day I'm working, like particularly through COVID when I had nothing else to do every day was work every, every hour of every day I was working or thinking about work. Even then it wasn't until sort of towards the end that I started to meditate and I set like sort of working hours and weekends were mine now that life has opened up again, I don't know what happened, but I have forgotten all of that <laughs> and I'm back to working every day. I've also just left school, so it really is every day with myself and work again. Yeah, so. it's tough. And especially when you're starting out or you work in like the creative industry or the arts, there's that looming fear of the work will run out. Mm. So there's this feeling of like, oh shit, I've got to say yes to everything. And, I, and I've got time, I should be doing something because you know, I could wake up in a week and it's gone again. And I think, you know, COVID didn't help with that because, you know, for a lot of people who worked in like face-to-face creative arts, you know, it was gone. Mm. So I understand why there'd be anxiety for a lot of us about don't stop, yeah. you know, have lots of savings this time. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, That's the thing. I think we all realised how, how, um, how the jar of support for the arts really did have a lid and it could run out <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And we're all vying for the same grant money. And if yeah. you didn't tick enough of the boxes, like, you just weren't going to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel ya. Mm. Weird. I feel like that's like, I think that's why so many of us do so many jobs, but then it's also why we have burnout. But, yeah. yeah. Burnout. We love it. I feel on the edge of mental breakdown every day, I swear. But oh. I'm kicking goals and I'm here. I'm thriving. <laughs> My plant is thriving. Try a morning ritual. Try yeah. like a little, a few jumping jacks in the morning followed by some yoga is yeah. my little <laughs> Like today's a perfect example. I just didn't write to schedule and look at me go. I'm panicking at 11 o'clock in the morning. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, That's why we all need an LGBTI life coach. Yes, 100%. <laughs> You'll have my vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think I need one. I need, I need to rethink the book. <laughs> the life coach needs a life coach, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> She's not a good life coach. Is there anything you'd like to discuss? I feel like they're like the key things that have happened in life. Started, yeah. started unicorns, got in a court case, <laughs> went through COVID. Yeah. Um, life worth of experience in handful of years really (laughs) (laughs) gotta get in before i'm 40 (laughs) (laughs) with the baby with the baby (laughs) yeah i'm gonna be so busy with my imaginary children (laughs) you could become one of those women with the lifelike dolls like you could just pretend for a while oh yeah true i could just walk around with those sling and like put the fake baby's head down so no one knows (laughs) she's sleeping (laughs) (laughs) created an instagram account it's real (laughs) Um, oh funny beautiful well thank you for talking to me thank you for fitting me into your schedule yeah thanks for chatting Um, that's alright good luck with it I hope it goes really well you too Um, where can people find you where can people hear about what you're doing get involved let us know Um, Unicorns Party on Facebook Um, it's pretty much everything all the website's just (laughs) www.unicornsparty.com Um, but yes, thank you so much for talking today. Yeah, thanks for chatting. Um, and I guess I will hopefully see you at Lemon Learning or something sometime. Or Unicorns. Wild. <laughs> <laughs>